Welcome to Zero Brightness, a podcast about horror video games. My name is Ali, and I'm here with my friend James. How's it going, James? It's good. I'm surviving. Yeah, man. Another week in post-apocalyptic hell. Yeah, man. I delivered a lot of packages over a barren wasteland, you know? (laughs) Wait, have you been playing Death Stranding? (laughs) No. You know I'm not going to play that (laughs) fucking game. (laughs) I was going to say. Uh, well, I work in a warehouse that's falling apart and, like, a repurposed, like, metal fabrication shop, so mm. I'm basically just always in, like, a really dreary, dark, cold place. It's great. Yeah, he needs Death Stranding. Yeah, I've got Life Stranding, bro. <laughs> uh, so today we're talking about something a little bit more colorful than my sad life, which is the video game, Zombies Ate My Neighbors. Yes. Zam, as I like to call it. <laughs> Yeah, petition to refer to it as Zam for the rest of the episode. (laughs) Hell yes. Sick. Um, 1993. Yeah. Developed by LucasArts and published by Konami. Mm -hmm. Super weird. Mm Mm-hmm. This is one of those, like, uh, one of those games that I would go to, like, Hollywood Video on a Friday and rent and play all weekend and return and do that, like, a couple times a year. At least in like '93 and '94, this this wasn't one I owned until later, but I rented it several times. Oh yeah, I mean, for me, this was a game I never owned because all of my friends had it. Mm. It was just like everybody had a copy of this game for some reason, yeah. and so it was like you could just go over to whoever's house and play it. And it's a great jump in, jump out kind of game. Like, yeah, you don't sit down and play through the whole thing. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah, and in 93 and 94, um, just having simultaneous multiplayer was a huge selling point for me as a kid. Mm. So, yeah, this is one of those great games that's just two-player the entire way through and feels better for it. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Um, Before we get too deep into it, um, Zero Brightness is brought to you by you. You can go to patreon.com slash zero brightness to find out more and sign up to help support the show. Many thanks to our new patrons uh, who are all, I'm sure, enjoying the benefits of being a patron, which include uh, our special bonus episode for every public episode that we put out it's a show called zero brightness plus so go sign up and you get episodes twice a week which is really cool yes and as always zero brightness is a club you can listen to the end to hear the game club segment where we tell you what we are going to play next you can hop in the discord and bullshit with us you can do basically whatever you want until you say something <laughs> racist and we ban you i mean that's pretty much it i mean that hasn't happened yet no, that hasn't happened yet, but it's going to happen, man. I've got my finger on the button. I'm waiting. We got our eyes on you, gamers. <laughs> no, everyone in Discord is very, very cool. There's a lot of surprising content in there you might not expect, and a lot of it is wholesome. It's mostly like stuff about Baby Yoda and Bratz dolls and shit. There's a lot of Bratz talk. Shout out everybody that digs on the Bratz dolls in the Discord. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> no, just shout out to the Brats fandom worldwide, dude. Like we're we've just recently kind of stumbled into your corner and I fuck with it. So, you know, thank you for being you. Yeah. What we really need to complete this is like someone to get in this corner super into homies. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> and then we can have like a, some some homies, homies cut. Yeah. Am I gonna have to be that person? Like I don't know. <laughs> Anyway, if you collect homies uh, merchandise, please join our Discord and tell us about it. Yes. I'll start a homies channel for that. Brats and homies. <laughs> Brats and homies, dude. <laughs> All right. So zombies ate my neighbors. Yes. Zam. Zam. Yeah. God zam it. So just to give a little historical context that I didn't really understand until later, like this didn't really click for me. Zam is s- sort of like a supercharged version of Robotron 2084. Mm. Um, it's sort of like a twin stick shooter, but you don't get two sticks. But every stage, there's 10 neighbors, or the victims that the game calls them. Uh, there's 10 people to save before they're killed by the bad guys in the stage. And that's essentially what Robotron boiled down to. After you save all the neighbors, a door opens up to the next stage, and then you move on to the next stage. If you run out of neighbors to save, it's game over. You start with 10, and you know if one dies, you'll start the next stage with nine. Rarely, you'll get a new neighbor to pick up, and that'll you know push that number up by one. But there's a lot of stages in this game, and if you run out of neighbors to save, you're in deep crap. Yeah. And so the the more stages you play, the more neighbors you lose, uh, the more hectic it becomes because you want to just save as many neighbors as you can on each stage. Right. Well, it's already pretty stressful because the stages are packed with enemies who mm-hmm. are just roaming around. And it's a race against that to pick up the, the neighbors or the victims, you know? Yeah. And it's pretty cool because, like, I don't know, there's a lot of times when there's there's just, like, a lot of near misses and near saves. Mm-hmm. Like, especially once the later enemy types start showing up, they're a little bit faster and more aggressive. So you're just kind of, like, tooling around trying to, like... Uh, you know, grab everybody before they get eaten by a werewolf or whatever. Yeah. Like, it's cool. I, I think that it's a lot more action-packed than games like this were at this time. Mm-hmm. One of the most endearing things about the game is that all of the weapons you use are kind of like random shit you find. Like, yeah, ice cream pops and a water gun and, like, you're throwing silverware <laughs> Yeah, things like that. It reminds me of uh, Peter Jackson's Dead Alive when the dude uses the lawnmower to kill all the zombies. Yeah. Well, it's very cartoony and colorful Mm -hmm. in a way that's like uh, really appealing. And I remember even like being a kid, it was super appealing. Like it just looks like that kind of 90s like kids comic book art. Absolutely. Yeah. It looks like a Nickelodeon cartoon. Yeah. A Nickelodeon cartoon heavily inspired by like golden age monster movies. Like that atomic age mixed with, you know, seventies and eighties and nineties horror. You kind of get Mm -hmm. all of it. Yeah, totally. And I think it was nice because at the time, a lot of games that wanted a horror aesthetic just went super like dark and kind of muddy 
like with the yeah. design and the color palette and all that kind of stuff. So returning to them sometimes is not always like as enticing, you know, because mm-hmm. it's just so like drab. But this game is the opposite of that. It's super colorful. It's super fun to look at. It has a really fast game speed, which is like really yeah. fun. Super play. snappy. You do the same thing in every stage, but the stages are all really varied. Even though you know they reuse tile sets a lot, they use the yeah. tile sets in clever ways to make each stage feel unique. Uh, most stages are like labyrinths, but I mean, there's f- more than forty stages, and I would say like the first twenty, none of them get stale. They keep bringing different ideas to the table, and then yeah. af- the second half are kind of repeats with difficulty raised. You know, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, still real unique. Um, yeah, I think that I always looked at this game as more of like an arcade type experience. Yeah. Where like you were meant to just jump in, play a certain amount and jump out like mm-hmm. I alluded to earlier. Or especially if you're playing two player where it's like you and your friend just want to play a few stages. You know, there yeah. isn't a narrative <laughs> like <laughs> the zombies are eating your neighbors. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, but the game is very creative and clever so you want to see the new stages you want to see like the new shortcuts and there's Mm -hmm. even some puzzles you have to solve things like that or like you know figuring out how to get rid of certain like boss type enemies um yeah there's a password type system but it's really flawed because it doesn't save your weapons so -hmm. you'll just start with your water pistol um which puts you at an extreme disadvantage later in the game um it almost makes it impossible you have to use passwords from earlier stages just just to build up your weapons cache yeah oh for sure i mean i yeah i don't think the game is really playable with the password system because it doesn't record your items according to the developer um mike ebert the password system was a like last minute addition because they really wanted to use battery backup saves but konami wouldn't pay for it so we got what we got yeah, but that was pretty classic at the time. I think in this era, it was almost expected that games wouldn't have saves. Mm, yeah. Like, when I got Sonic 3 and it had a save system, my mind was fucking blown. So I was like, holy shit, you can save <laughs> in a Sonic game? Yeah. What the fuck is this, you know? Well, the, the other ones, you had to put codes in to get to the later stages, you know? And that always yeah. felt like cheating, so... Yeah, well, they were cheat codes. Like, yeah, there wasn't exactly. any, like, you were just supposed to sit down and play the whole game, which is, like, kind of insane. Well, uh, that's why, you know, games like Mario 1, they added the warp zone, and Mario 3 mm-hmm. had the warp whistle because they didn't have, you know, you had to start at level 1 1 each time. And who has the time for that? <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. At the time, it was really weird, though. Like, well, we talked about this in the last episode, actually, with, like, the sort of transition from arcade to home. Uh, gaming was really sloppy and like sure there's a lot of bad ports like we discussed with splatterhouse but there's even more than that just like bad ideas so like a lot of these games it was kind of seen as like oh well if you can save or password save or do something you cut down the play time of the game like assuming that people just wanted to play through the game once and never again right. uh, which is fucking crazy <laughs> like <laughs> in retrospect but so you got games like uh, Rocket Knight, uh, mm-hmm. at, you know, when Rocket Knight was actually brought over to America, there was a level select cheat that was taken out specifically yeah. 
for that reason. So like the Japanese version, there's a it's a cheat, but there is a level select, and the American version doesn't have it. So you just have to get really fucking good in that at that game, which like I have done in the past, and it's not <laughs> worth it. Like I love well, that game, but like fuck, I would much rather have the level select. Konami is sort of notorious for doing that because the um, Genesis Contra game, Contra Hardcore. Uh, uh-huh. The Japanese version, you can have three hits before you die. And in the American version, you get hit once and you die. Yeah. Which totally changes the game. Yeah. It was super weird. It was really rampant in this generation uh, of like Japanese games getting changed to be harder for the American release. Dynamite Heady was the same. Yeah. Yeah. I super don't understand it. I don't know who started that trend but that was just like nonsense i think maybe it was a perception of like hardcore gamers in america because you know like the high score challenges and stuff started here Mm -hmm. and the nintendo world championships and all that maybe it all stems from that yeah like these are hardcore games for hardcore players you know yeah i mean ultimately though i just sort of view it as like that arcade to home transition just being really sloppy like so you just ended up with games that were really hurt by that. The funny thing about Zombies at My Neighbors though is that I don't really think it's actually hurt by that because I think it's a great just pick up and play type of game. You know, like right. I don't really think I mean it would have been better, sure, if you could level select or save or something, but I don't know. I don't totally see the game being hurt by it. And what's kind of funny is that uh, there are a number of games that I feel like are heavily inspired by this. And those a lot of those games had really shitty save systems or no saves, too. I mean, <laughs> the big one being Dead Rising. Like, yeah, anyone who played the original release of Dead Rising at least once, like, had the experience of playing the game for a couple hours and just, like, losing their save. Oh, yeah. Because, like, the save system didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so uh, um, Zombies Ate My Neighbors, it was kind of a sleeper hit. Um, there was a unexpected sequel that we're going to talk about later called Ghoul Patrol. And then there's sort of a spiritual successor um, called Herc's Adventure for the Sega Saturn. And it was sort of like an um, ancient Greek mythology thing with the same feel. Um, the Zombies Ate My Neighbors engine was used later on several other games, uh, most notably Metal Warriors for the Super Nintendo, yeah. which is a killer game. Uh, Metal total, Warriors is amazing. Total hidden gem. Good luck finding a copy for less than 100 bucks. Big Sky Trooper also used it, which was kind of a weird game. Not super notable. I haven't played that, but I've played a lot of Metal Warriors. Fucking emulate that shit. That game is so good. Yeah, it's super sick. I think, isn't that the game that has those really crazy, like, anime intro cutscenes? So there there are a couple side-scrolling mech games for Super Nintendo that are really great. This one and um, Front Mission Gun Hazard, which I actually have a complete copy of. I, I always get those two mixed up because they both have, like, really cool mech action with good cutscenes and dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was one I remember, like playing on the emulator just because i saw screenshots of like the cutscenes, and i was like what is this this game has cutscenes. like this looks crazy you know yeah and yeah did not disappoint really really great kind of reminds me a little bit of like bongayo and like just a kind of screen filling mech action style yeah gets really fast there's one of those for the genesis also called target earth 
which is a great okay. hidden gem. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, and there's also uh, Musha for the Genesis. Yeah, that's more of a vertical shooter, though, which, you know, I love it. Yeah. I've got it complete in box. <laughs> God damn it, James. <laughs> what do you keep all this stuff? What do you do with all this stuff? <laughs> Giant bookshelf that has, like, Sega Genesis games 3 deep on it. Yeah. Yeah, Target Earth. Okay, I, I since we're talking about it, and we'll never talk about it again, Target Earth <laughs> is part of a, uh, a mecha action series in Japan called Assault Suit Lanos. And there's several of them. Uh, There's a remake on Steam that's great. Uh, There's a Sega Saturn and PlayStation game. All great side-scrolling mech action, if you like that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and this that genre was really cool uh, at the time. And, I mean, the games are still great. But once again, like, I think at the time, some of these games that could deliver this really fast-paced and exciting action that had somewhat of a strategic bent to it were Mm -hmm. really unique and they were really fun to play i and mean there's a little bit of character driven stuff because there's usually like dialogue of like mech pilots yelling at each other oh yeah over on top of the uh action which makes it a little more cinematic yeah totally but even with like in the context of zombies a my neighbors like this game is cool because it's not just like twin stick shooter kill everything it's mm-hmm. like you have to unlock doors and collect items and save people so like you're trying to move really fast and the game lets you like hustle really really fast but you're also trying to be really thoughtful and strategic Mm -hmm. it's really cool it's it's a really different kind of game i i didn't expect it when i went back into it playing it but i was like man this game feels a lot like the later sort of survival zombie games that would come like uh well, well, Dead Rising for sure. It mm-hmm. feels a lot like Dead Rising, or Dead Rising feels a lot like this game. But I was also thinking of uh, uh, what's that team shooter with zombies? Left for Dead. Left for Dead. It kind of yeah. reminds me of like Left for Dead or something, you know? <laughs> or it's like Left for Dead is just Counter Strike plus Zombies Ain't My Neighbors. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, there's one more game I wanted to mention. Oh, here it is, Swagman. What? Swagman for PlayStation One. Have you heard of that? Well, I saw that image in our Discord, but I thought that was a joke. No, it's a real game. What the fuck? Yeah. What the fuck is Swagman? <laughs> it's it's kind of like a Nightmare Before Christmassy type vibe, like it's top down adventure game. Okay. With kind of pre rendered ugly sprites and stuff, people seem to like it. I've never played it. It's an IDOS game, I think. Huh. Anyways. Yeah weird yeah so <laughs> super weird speaking of weird style let's talk about zam's style a little bit so like like i kind of mentioned it heavily satirizes like the horror and monster movie genres um it does these things like every stage has like a funny little title card like mm-hmm. more frightening than stage four stage five yeah uh it does yeah. shit like that and i mean uh there's stages based on Movies like Invasions of the Body Snatchers and Child's Play, uh, Vim, that monster movie with the giant ants, uh, yeah. Night of the Living Dead. There's there's so many homages to yeah, horror movies from the 50s and 60s. Kind of has that blood thing going on. We talked about it in our Blood and Dusk oh, yeah. episode where it's just like a fun arcade game that they just packed full of movie references. Mm-hmm. It yeah. just has this vibe like killer clowns from outer space or something with like the music and 
the coloring just yeah yeah it's got kind of like weird sort of like goofy music playing all the time and like yeah this crazy over the top uh colors um you have in the notes something i really agree with which is that it the style is a little reminiscent of maniac mansion uh, or day of the tentacle yeah um, yeah like it, it's definitely got it's like that plus like the burger king characters from the 90s like the kid with the <laughs> visor and all that well there's even a secret day of the tentacle stage in the game mm. uh you get it from stage one i think so like stage two can be the bonus day of the tentacle episode yeah it's it's got that early 90s like cartoon style like when they do those blocks of cartoons and they're just be like these weird cheap kids cartoons you'd never heard of Mm-hmm. It's basically like if Zombies Ate My Neighbors could have been one of those. Come right on after like Samurai Pizza Cats. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, like those shows where you're trying to talk about them later and you're like, wait, was that real? <laughs> Samurai Pizza Cats was real and it's awesome. It's on yeah. Amazon. No, I know that one was real, but like. I mean, if you catch me on the right day, I might think that, like, Street Sharks was just a dream I had, you know? <laughs> there was a Street Sharks Super Nintendo game, and it played, like, rock and roll racing. <laughs> what? Yeah. You Why? played rock and roll racing, right? Yeah, of course. We yeah. talk about it in the first episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a Street Sharks game. No. You know what I'm thinking of? Biker Mice from Mars. Oh, yeah. Biker Mice from Mars. That's like number one. Like, did that really happen? And yes, that game is exactly like rock and roll racing, and it fucking sucks. You remember the one? Um, it was a show like a football team got like time warped into like medieval times, and they become like King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. This and sounds it, vaguely familiar. And it was all these like teenage football kids. Yeah. Yeah. They made so many of these fucking cartoons, dude. Yeah. Got a self-action figure somehow. And that was literally all it was. Because, like, most of them were just, like, bad. Uh-huh. Like, you can count on one hand the shows that were actually good. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It was just, like, cheap. Like, I think all those were, like, Korean animation, right? Mm-hmm. All those, like, what was it? Like, Deke? Deke pushed all these cartoons out? <laughs> Deke! Yeah. This is the second time we've talked about Deke on the show. (laughs) Well, I just like I just like sending that logo to the Discord sometimes, you know. It's uh it's a great bit. Yeah. Alright, so going on the style, um this game has like several tile sets and a lot of them are like real nineties. Like there's a shopping mall one that gets reused as like grocery store. Mm -hmm. Um some of my favorite stages are like the suburbs, you know, um, you know, swimming pools and like Ferris Bueller looking shit. Um, yeah, I think that's kind of the iconic levels of the game. Like when you think of the game, yeah. at least for me, it's like you're running around people's backyards and jumping on trampolines to get over fences. It's very Shaun of the Dead. Totally. Yeah. And there's, you know, office store kind of warehouse stuff. And then there's the fantastical stuff like. Uh, pyramids and like medieval castles like who knows how they got there but they got there (laughs) yeah exactly once (laughs) again there's no story in this game so they can just be like you're at a castle yeah 
I like the castles a lot, though. Like, the castles rendered in that 90s cartoon style look really, really good. Yeah, and the castle stages seem to be more puzzly or gimmicky, which makes them Mm -hmm. fun and unique. Um, Yeah, totally. So, we talked about the makeshift weapons, but a lot of them have second uses. Like, you get a bazooka that can shoot open doors or shoot, like, walls with cracks in them. That'll let you kind of save your keys for later. Really, keys and bazooka ammo are, like, your secrets to success of this game. You know, because without them, you're not going to get anywhere. Um, Yeah. Also, there's, like, a weed whacker. There are plant enemies, so you can use your weed whacker to cut through them really easily. Um, Silverware will one-hit werewolves. Mm -hmm. And, like, the, the Chucky dolls that try to kill you. Yeah, oh um, god, those things are so annoying. Yeah, so there's uh, there's second uses to a lot of the weapons. Oh, there's a uh, sometimes you have to put fires out, and so you can have yeah. a fire extinguisher, or you can just use your squirt gun. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, figuring out this stuff in the moment is definitely one of the fun parts of the game. Like the first time that you figure out you can actually use the fire extinguisher to put out fires, and then just like walk through the fireplace. Yeah, it's like nuts. Yeah, you know? and it makes you do that on one of the first castle stages, mm-hmm. so it kind of forces you into learning it, or you just yeah. take damage because you have to run through it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So yeah, like we talked a little bit about the structure of the game, where like the first fifteen-ish stages kind of have like the unique stuff in the game, and then after that, they're more just like you know palette swaps that get harder. Yeah, and maybe introduce like some small mechanics, but not really. Mm-hmm. Um, and once again, I, I think that is actually that was a pretty common structure at the time. Like the game has what it forty eight levels, which is crazy. It's yeah. like so many levels, especially since the password system doesn't really work. Mm-hmm. But like I remember playing a lot of games like this, like uh, Maximum Carnage. Yeah, yeah. kind of ensemble Spider-Man brawler. I mean, that game has like a hundred levels and there's no password system. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, I don't know. I, I think it's definitely meant more for you to just see how far you can get or see how far you can play through. Just like you would if you went into an arcade and they had an arcade machine of this. Yeah. You know? Or, you know, it's just a great rental game. We don't get that experience anymore in 2019, but... You know, it's a perfect weekend yeah. r- rental. Well, I think, though, that there's still, like, a real need for games like this as, like, games really balloon and just get longer totally. and try and be more, like, fucking lifestyle games. Mm-hmm. Like, I personally really like, like, I really enjoyed playing this game while playing other stuff this week. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, like, I've kind of always kept at least a couple games like that around. Like, I'm always going back to play a little bit of Ikaruga, like, when I'm just not playing other shit because it's mm-hmm. like that's just fun and i don't have to think about it and i don't have to have to like invest in it you know? yeah and it's like 10 or 15 minutes like i feel like zombies ate my neighbors is best digested in like four to five level bursts you know because some yeah. of the levels are real short one might end up being a little longer but it all boils down to the same thing so just taking it in bite-sized pieces is really the way to go you have some fun like trivia here about the inspirations for the game like obviously it's very inspired by twin stick shooters like you mentioned robotron but smash tv is probably like the the most famous of this genre yeah 
Uh, yeah. It's the same developer, Robotron and Smash TV were the same guy. So, oh, yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, um, Ebert was inspired. This is like a funny anecdote. Ebert Ebert was inspired by this game he saw once at a bar, and he couldn't remember the name for it. <laughs> it took internet sleuths on Hardcore Gaming 101 to figure out what game it was. It's called Kairos. It was a mm-hmm. like top-down sort of beat-em-up. It had the same sort of perspective as Zombies Ate My Neighbors, but it was just like fisticuffs. Yeah. Little arcade game. Totally. Total deep-hidden gem for your meme folder. Yeah. Dig that bad boy up. Well, and you know, one thing about this game, when you're mentioning like top-down stuff and like twin-stick shooters, this game kind of improbably has like a really great feel and a really good perspective like yeah. when you pick up and play the game it's really easy to pick up and play and it feels really good to play but like if you start thinking about it the perspective is really weird because like a lot of twin stick shooters or like top down games went for like actual top down where you're like looking at the top of your character's head mm-hmm. and you're sort of more like a, a spaceship in like a vertical shooter right right like this game isn't like that it's almost more like a flat isometric or something yeah it's like a like, three-quarter view it gives you more dimensionality yeah totally and when i actually like like i've played this game so much as a kid that i didn't think about it. when i was playing it this time i thought about that for a second and i was like whoa that's actually kind of nuts you know yeah it's also more zoomed in than a traditional like twin stick shooter yeah but I think that adds a lot to the, like, action and strategy of it, where, yeah. like, you're always having little dudes, like, popping off screen and, like, knocking off some of your health, and it creates a lot of tension and stress. One thing it does yeah. is it makes you strategize because uh, your neighbors can't get killed if they're off screen. Mm. So, like, if you see a neighbor but you can't get to them, you kind of strategize and keep the camera off of him so he doesn't get murdered by some, like, zombie off screen. Right. <laughs> No, there's, yeah, there's a ton of strategy involved. And, like, so this game, you also have a radar, which we haven't mentioned yet. Yeah. And, like, that's kind of what makes the game work. You need it. Is that, yeah, is that, like, you have a zoomed-in perspective, and you're doing this exploration, but you have a radar that roughly shows you where uh, the your neighbors are relative to you. Yeah, and you can pick them, pick them up in any order. Right. So as you're adventuring around picking up items, you're kind of, like, you know, visually making beelines to the next one as you're going, which they completely fuck up in the sequel. Um, yeah. And then, uh, you know, after you pick up the last victim, uh, a door opens to the next stage, which they completely fuck up in the next game also. Uh, I yeah. can't believe it. We'll get to it. Yeah, we'll get to it. It is actually unbelievable. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's super cool i don't know like some of these top old top down games are a little jarring to go back and play just Mm -hmm. because like they feel weirdly dated and yeah they have janky controls not very fun Mm -hmm. to play this game is very snappy in contrast yeah yeah and like i said it's it's really fast and so like the one thing that isn't like amazing in it is like aiming because your character is yeah. clearly kind of in like eight directions, but the enemies move like really weird. Like they're super wily. And so mm-hmm. sometimes you're just kind of like wasting your bullets, like flailing around trying to hit zombies that are like right next to you. And then some weapons like soda cans, like they take, you throw them at an arc. So they're like impossible to figure out. 
Yeah, but the thing is that like the game has such a good feel and the controls are mm-hmm. so good on a basic level that it doesn't really end up being like a huge hindrance in the game. Like it's not really a complaint from me because the no. game just feels good to pick up and play. And that's what to me, besides like the horror aesthetic and the zombies and the kitschy movie references, I think what really separates this game and makes it like a joy to go back and play now is that it just feels good. Yeah, to totally. pick up and play, you know. Yeah. Um when I was a kid, I played the Genesis version, which was not the original version. It was written for the Super Nintendo. Um, so the Genesis version is a port, but it's, you know, it's just as good. Um, the graphics are a little squished horizontally, so I think everything looks a little skinnier, um, which also makes the playfield smaller, and you get the radar on a black bar on the side of the screen. But, you know, once you start playing it, you don't even notice it. Yeah. And that's really the only big difference. Oh, another difference is that the Super Nintendo version has a flamethrower that's only available on one stage and is really hard to find. Huh. The Genesis version doesn't have the flamethrower, which is very sad. Mm. Yeah, I never played the Genesis version. Mm. It That's, like, another thing about this game. It's, like, it's weird to think about it on the Genesis because it's, like, such a Super Nintendo game. Mm-hmm. Like... It's got that kind of, like, I don't know. To me, the Super Nintendo has, like, a really soft look and sound, mm-hmm. like, to their games. Like, the sampler, you know, that's in there has these very, like, kind of dulcet tones. And the the colors and, and the sprites are always, like, kind of soft and smoothed over. Yeah. And this game definitely has that sort of look to it. Um, definitely doesn't like feel like a Genesis sort of game. D- Genesis, everything was just harsher. <laughs> yeah, at least we got it though. I mean, Konami was pretty good to the Genesis kids. Uh, oh yeah, we we got totally. we got shafted by Capcom, but Konami and Namco hooked us up. Yeah, there's at least <laughs> a, a couple like definitive versions of old like Konami games that are on the Genesis. Yeah, um, can't get yeah, Rocket I mean, Knight on SNES. Yeah, they only got like the weird sequel, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, the, so, <laughs> weird diversion. Um, there's a Sparkster for Genesis, and there's a Sparkster for Super Nintendo, and they're both completely different games. Yeah. So, you know, there's three 16 bit Rocket Knight games out there. Yeah. But the first one's the best one anyway, and that's only by on far. Genesis. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the first one is the only one that really feels like, uh, you know, amazing to yeah. me. But I do fucking love that game. We also got the the Contra Hardcore, which was made by the people at Treasure before they quit Konami. Mm, and so, interesting. Yeah. And then Gunstar Heroes came after that. So there's some cool lineage there, you know. Huh. I didn't know that. That makes. I mean, I knew that they were from uh, Konami and that they had worked on Contra games. I didn't know that Contra Hardcore was like the last one that yeah. they did totally makes sense though contra hardcore feels like a treasure game yeah for sure just like without the treasure aesthetic yeah and then you, you know, know of course we got the the hyperstone heist ninja turtles game yeah which is sort of a remix of turtles in time and turtles 2 yeah totally yeah not as good as the super nintendo turtles games but still pretty good yeah for sure well this was a really interesting time for games um and this is a relevant conversation because I think this will kind of lead into us talking a little bit about Ghoul Patrol. Uh, this was an interesting time for games because, like, 
there were so many weird like licensing agreements between uh you know publishers and developers and between publishers and different console manufacturers that you frequently ended up with two different scenarios one was that you got multiple quote-unquote versions of the same game that were actually not at all the same game like even remotely yeah sometimes by different developers yeah like aladdin yeah, you also got sequels that were not anything like the original game. Like Blaster Master 2? Yeah, or Cool Spot 2, or Toe Jam and Earl <laughs> You two. mean Spot Goes to Hollywood? Yeah, Spot Goes to Hollywood, <laughs> which we've talked about before on the show. Yeah. Uh, we both have a weird soft spot for that game, which is really funny. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, and to me, like the absolute best illustration of this and also the illustration of just like you know what really made the genesis the genesis in my eyes were the jurassic park games oh god okay so when i was a kid i had jurassic park for the sega genesis Mm -hmm. jurassic park for the sega genesis was one of my favorite games Mm. ever now there's a few reasons for this number one it was a technical marvel the sprites in that game are crazy Uh they're like photorealistic dinosaurs they look baller uh number two is that jurassic park for the sega genesis probably it's like top five favorite video game soundtracks for me like wow the music in that game is fucking bananas like Mm. it is so 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 good and a lot of it is just really simple like the best track in the game is just this little loop that plays over the map menu Hmm. And it's like so good. It is a hundred percent playing right now while I'm talking, James. I think you're editing this one. You have to put it in. I'll send you the music, okay? But like, it's so 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 good. And like, so beyond that though, like the game is really weird. Like it's super fucking difficult. Like it's it is yeah. unreasonably hard. And uh, I have actually. I actually think it's impossible to beat the game because I could get to the last (laughs) level and the last level is a boss fight that for the okay so you can play as either Dr. Grant or the Raptor and the Raptor mode is much much easier yeah Um, and you can beat that one or no 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 it's the it's the other way around so the Dr. Grant mode is much harder but the last boss is like beatable the Raptor mode (laughs) is much easier but I'm fairly certain that the only way you can beat the last boss which is dr grant is to like glitch the game hmm and it's like so ridiculous like i did it once and i don't know what i did but it was like totally a glitch and i won other than that it's like impossible to beat the game yeah i feel Um, like i did it as a kid because we got that game pretty early on and i was pretty emotionally invested in beating it even mm -hmm. though i kind of knew it was a piece of shit game um oh i think it's great (laughs) but yeah the marketing for that game was very, very heavy-handed. Oh, I yeah. mean, Jurassic Park was everywhere anyways. But yeah, when before that game came out, there were like big spreads in all the magazines. I remember reading about like everything about the game before it dropped. So the hype yeah. was real. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. What an amazing game. I love it. <laughs> uh, I'll go to bat for it any day. I know it probably sucks, but I like super don't care. Mm. Anyway... So at the time I was a little kid and I was like dumb, you know, like kids are, and I didn't know about any of this shit. But then we, I think we stayed at like someone's house that we knew or something. And they had 
uh, Jurassic Park for the Super Nintendo. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, sick, man. Like, I fucking love this game, dude. Let's yeah. play this fucking game. Same Put cover, same logo. Yep. Just <laughs> the, like, if you went to fucking whatever, Big Lots, and, like, you went to the video game section, and, like, these games would be side-by-side, side, the Genesis and Super Nintendo version of Jurassic Park, and they looked like the same game, but with yeah. different boxes, yeah. right? You turn on that game, it is an entirely different game. Like, yeah. 100%, it's a top-down mm-hmm. action game. Mm-hmm. And it's fucking terrible. Like, <laughs> that game sucks, okay? You want to talk shit on the Genesis Jurassic Park? Go, go the fuck home and play the Super Nintendo one, because that game sucks. Like, that game sucks. It's new, um, Dinosaurs for Hire. <laughs> Jesus Christ, James. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my, my point here, though, is that Jurassic Park then just got weird, like, more games and more iterations that were all just different games. But the best one, 100%, is Jurassic Park Rampage Edition for the Sega Genesis. Which is not, like, an enhanced edition of Jurassic Park 1. It's a different game, right? It's, okay, so it's basically a ROM hack with (laughs) new assets. Weird. But, like... A lot of the assets from Jurassic Park for the Sega Genesis are the same. So it's still like a side-scrolling action game. The original one was much more of like a puzzle platformer or, mm-hmm. or like a cinematic platformer like we covered in our two episodes on that. Yeah. Like it's all about solving puzzles and making tricky platforming jumps and it's very animation heavy. Um, this game is like a lot of the same assets it's definitely the same like sprites for the main characters and stuff except now you're dr grant and you're just fucking strapped like you have every gun in the world and the point of the game is to just run through and murder everything grant had that post event horizon ptsd yeah (laughs) well and it's just crazy because like at this time they were pumping out a lot of Jurassic Park games that were mostly pretty bad like the Lost World got a bunch of games that were just like super ugly mediocre side-scrolling platformers like the Sega CD adventure game yeah there's the the 3DO like activity pack that I accidentally covered in a past episode (laughs) and then like I was like this totally isn't real and then I found it and I was like it was real I didn't dream it Mm -hmm. um it had a very scary first person maze where you could get killed by a raptor and it terrified me. Anyway, the point is, uh, like it was just such a fucking Genesis move to be like Jurassic Park Rampage Edition. And it's actually a totally different game that has nothing to do with the original. And it's like, it has really shitty, like Genesis guitar rock music playing the whole time. You just have a rocket launcher. It's like, it's so fucking funny. 16-bit um, video game marketing was just a very interesting and mysterious thing. Oh, yeah. It was, like, absolutely the era of, like, little kids and their moms getting fucking scammed at the grocery store. <laughs> like, I swear to God, that was, like, 50% of, like, video game sales at the time. Sure, yeah. It was just your mom being like, oh, you like Jurassic Park, right? This is on sale. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, I got the Speedy Gonzalez Super Nintendo game from her birthday one year. Yeah, dude. Hell Thanks, yeah. Mom. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Mom. Thank you for listening to Zero Brightness. If you'd like to support us directly, you can go to patreon.com slash zero brightness. 
You can also find and interact with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Discord. All the relevant links are at zerobrightness.com. We'll see you out there. So, now let's say you were a little kid, right? Like, we're in a hypothetical situation here. You're a little kid, you want Jurassic Park, but you get Jurassic Park Rampage Edition. Like, yeah. maybe it's not what you asked for, but it's fucking sick as hell. And, like, you're not going to turn down a game where it's, like, murder everything, including dinosaurs, right? Sure. Like, it sounds pretty fucking dope. Now, imagine the opposite of that in every way possible. That's Ghoul Patrol. <laughs> yeah. So, you know that meme where it's like, Mom, can we get McDonald's? <laughs> no, we have McDonald's at home. And McDonald's at home is like like a piece of ham with cheese on it. Yeah. That's Ghoul Patrol. <laughs> Ghoul Patrol is the zombies ate my neighbor we have at home. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Dinosaurs for hire for Sega Genesis. No. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> Ghoul Patrol, who did this? How did this happen? God damn. So, another funny anecdote was that... Um, like the original developers for this game like had no idea it was being made and then like uh one day the the developer saw some footage of some new game being made and noticed that his characters were in the game i was like (laughs) oh i guess they're making a sequel (laughs) yeah it was like somebody licensed the engine but then used the characters too which is really weird so it was developed by a team called motion pixel uh, a Malaysian team and so they had originally licensed the engine and they were making their own game but LucasArts wasn't happy with the direction it was going and I guess they kind of sort of thought it was going to be a flop so they ended up shoehorning in the characters from Zombies Ate My Neighbors this one was published by JVC instead of Konami because yeah. Konami probably knew it sucks. Yeah, so you could get this packaged with your new VCR. Yeah, yeah, totally. Your new hi-fi. Yeah, so what this game is, is basically Zombies Ate My Neighbors if you just made everything bad. Yeah, like they really fucked it up. They went and undid it. It looks the same. Like when you if you look at a video of it, it looks like the same type of game. The graphics are a lot more detailed. It looks nice. Yeah. I mean, I like the style in the first one better, but mm-hmm. on a technical level, it's hard to argue that there it's not like a graphical improvement. Yeah. But when you actually pick up and play it, it feels horrible. Yeah. Well, they added a lot of things. There's a, like a sliding mechanic like in Mega Man. Mm-hmm. You can jump now. You can dash, which I didn't know until after I beat the game, which is super fucking annoying because you walk yeah. way too slow in this game. Yeah, they added a lot of stuff, but it plays like absolutely shit. Yeah. So the big change to me is that your character is really slow and mm-hmm. cumbersome. And there's momentum behind the walking. So when you stop, you don't stop completely and when you're when you're when you start walking it takes a second to get you up to speed yeah well and it's a weird choice because like i'm all for stickiness and momentum there's some really great 16-bit games that feel very sticky but like 
it's not consistent. Like when you're walking, it's just like you're so slow. You're like a 60-year-old arthritic smoker. <laughs> but then like when you jump or dash or do anything or slide, you're like super fast suddenly. Mm-hmm. And so it, the game has no fucking feel in that regard. I ended up just sliding everywhere. Yeah, totally. Yeah, big same. <laughs> uh, the other thing is that they made all the enemies crazy bullet sponges. Like, yes, it, it went from your average enemy needing like one hit in Zombies Ate My Neighbors to, God, I don't even know how many bullets it takes to kill. Like, so annoying. Like, there's possessed stuff around. Like, it was like a possessed copy machine, and that motherfucker will take like thirty bullets. <laughs> and they respawn incessantly. Like, yeah, you'll kill one and another one will just appear immediately. Yeah, like it's crazy, man. Like you can play this game for five minutes and just see all of this shit and just be like, wow, okay, really? Yeah. Like, no, no thanks. This one was a difficult one to play through. Yeah, um, totally. I mean, honestly, I did not play very much of this game. I played probably the same as I played Zombies Ate My Neighbors mm-hmm. playtime wise, but like... It went from levels taking like five minutes or less to levels taking me like 15 plus minutes. Yeah, no like, thanks. It's it's horrible, man. And like the thing too is that like the thing with the, the art and art style and the graphics, although it is technically impressive, I mean, it has more of the art style that I described earlier where if games wanted to have a horror theme, they would just go sort of dark and muddy and moody. Mm-hmm. It looks more like that and it's very off-putting. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's one step forward, like 10 steps back with this one. Yeah. Um, totally. Like, the graphics are prettier, but they're darker and muddier. Um, they added bosses, but the bosses are just horrible. Yeah. And they're all the same. It's basically like yeah. a, a giant sprite floating in the air that you have to, you know, avoid the bullets and shoot three million times because they're absolute bullet sponges. They yeah. do this like dumb mode seven shit where they like squish a little bit when they get hit. And then yeah. when you kill them, they like flatten mode seven style. They all do the yeah. same thing. You could tell they were like programmed in a day and a half. Just absolutely yeah. awful. There's yeah. less than 20 levels this time. And but it um, takes a long <laughs> Yeah, it takes a long time to get through this shit. But uh, they do another thing where um, all the themed stages are put together. So, like, the first four stages are all urban, and then the next ones have, like, a Japanese theme to them, and then the next ones have, like, a Caribbean theme to them. Mm. Um, The first game mixed it all up, so you never knew what the the next stage was going to be. Yeah. And I think that works out a lot better, so they don't get stale. Yeah. The Another addition they made is an opening cutscene, <laughs> which... uh. I love it's so fucking bad. It's my description of it to you is that it's like the most hello fellow teens thing I've seen in a while (laughs) where it's just like they're like getting really excited to go to the library. (laughs) It's like, what the fuck world does this take place in? Ronald Reagan's like, yeah, let's go get a burger, guys. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uncle Ron. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's pretty fucking bad but okay so subjective stuff aside there are two things that they did that objectively like ruin this game and you know what i mean mm-hmm. like the big one the big one is that they got rid of the radar yes like 
the game is basically like you don't realize how much you are relying on it until you play this game mm-hmm. and it more or less makes the game impossible so instead of the radar they give you these shitty like um dialogue bubbles Oh my that god. That fly at your character from the general direction of where the neighbors are. And you, yeah. just, you just kind of follow them. But you only get one at a time, and it only comes from the closest neighbor. And so, it's not visually helpful. No. It's bad. You can't see where it's coming from. And then once you get all the neighbors, a door appears, but it's not necessarily where you are. It's where the developers thought that you would have picked up your last victim. So if yeah. you get them out of order, quote unquote, you're screwed because then you have to like walk 10 minutes to the door or, you know, what feels like 10 minutes. Well, so that's the other thing that I was alluding to earlier. Like, though they made it so that instead of just being able to exit the level when you get the last neighbor, you have to like go find the exit. So what these two changes do is mean that you have to wander around the stages lost, like, a lot. Mm -hmm. And as we mentioned earlier, one of this game's weak points is your character's walk. So put that together in your head, and you can probably see what I'm getting at here. Just keep slamming that slide button. Dude. Yeah, another thing, uh, the, um, the stage design is not nearly as clever as the original games. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're in, in the original game, you know, you're on a little town or you're like in a hedge maze being chased by chainsaw guys or, you know, you're in the mall. This one, all the stages feel homogenous, you know, except for maybe one or two. Um, it's it's just like the same shitty labyrinth feel on every stage. Yeah. Over-reliance on keys... Um, yeah, no fun. It it feels like a poorly designed maze, which I think obviously in Zombies Ate My Neighbors, there's an element of like maze design or labyrinth design, but it was also more geared towards like pushing you in certain directions and having you discover shortcuts and stuff like that. It's really well done. Mm-hmm. In this game, it's just like playing a, yeah, just like playing a shitty super nintendo game where you're just lost all the time and you can't find your way out like a bad dungeon in a dungeon crawler yeah and you can't get the bazooka to open the doors anymore mm -hmm. um you can use a potion to turn into a monster and open doors yeah Um, you know which the potion was in the first game too uh well it's funny because you turned into like a big purple monster in the first game but in in the second one you turn into the grim reaper which yeah. is funny because you're trying to be like saving all these people and it's like a giant grim reaper like chasing after them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. yeah. I think if that was what was coming to rescue me, I would I would probably avoid it. Yeah. So the dual uses for the weapons is severely downplayed if not just erased from the game. Um mm-hmm. the fun secondary items that you had from the first game like the decoys um, which are really fun. They're not there anymore. I don't know. It just sucked all the fun out of the game. You can tell they really rushed it to get it out for Christmas. It yes. just screams that feeling. Yeah, 100%. That was another pretty common thing at this time, which was like games that were just rushed out to meet Christmas deadlines. I mean, tons of casualties from the 16-bit era mm-hmm. You can that you can read about, you know, where it's like, they just really wanted to hit that window, and so they just put out a crappy game. Yeah. 
this game is just confusing to me because it's like there were just so many opportunities for people involved to just be like this isn't a a, a game in the same series as zombies ate my neighbors like <laughs> there are so many opportunities to take it out of that lineage and i think the game looks different enough and feels different enough that like I, you know, I wouldn't have even compared the two, really, because this game sucks. But now that I'm forced to, it's like, it's such a bummer. Because even when you were like, oh, there's a sequel, it's called Ghoul Patrol. And I was like, I've never played that. And then I booted it up and I saw those fucking text bubbles flying at me. And I was like, oh, no. I was like having acid flashbacks to playing this game. And like, <laughs> I was like suddenly sweating. I was like, no, this game is bad. Uh, it's really bad. Yeah, so... I guess this is more than anything like a cautionary tale, which is that if you like Zombies Ate My Neighbors and you're like, oh, there's a sequel. No, there isn't. Don't play it. <laughs> well, play Herc's Adventure instead if you want to dust off the old Sega Saturn. Yeah, I've never played that for sure. Yeah, it's a sleeper hit. The The 12 people with Saturns at home, uh, Saturn yeah. gang represent. Uh, we know what's up. <laughs> I uh I only knew one kid with a Saturn. He was super weird. Uh he was like the Muslim version of like the pastor's son. Mm, and they okay. like lived in a house that was out behind the mosque. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, like I only went in there once, but I was like, oh shit, he has a Sega Saturn. But we only <laughs> ever played uh we played Street Fighter Alpha on mm. it. See the Saturn kids were like super cocky for the first 10 months and then playstation came out and then they all shut the fuck up yeah (laughs) you know what i okay you know what's like been blowing my mind that i realized like yesterday Mm. is that every console generation there's some smarmy motherfucker who's like you know if we just beat the rush we're gonna win yeah and every time i'm like did you guys just forget about sega like Sega did this two consoles in a row and then had to stop making consoles. Dude, Sega did it over and over. First yeah. it was the Sega CD and then it was the 32X. And mm-hmm. then a f- fucking less than a year later, the Saturn comes out. Yeah. Uh, there was an intermediary console called the Neptune, which was canceled. They were going to put that out between them. Jesus and then they, they fucked up with the Dreamcast too. They just yeah. kept fucking up over and over. Yeah, but then, okay, so what's even crazy is then if you look at Nintendo, like Nintendo tried it once successfully, which was the Wii. The Wii actually hit really, really early and was a success, Mm -hmm. right? But then they tried it again with the Wii U and it was like the biggest flop in their history. Yeah. Basically, right? So it's like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Stop trying to fucking beat the rush. And the reason that I've been thinking about this because I feel like Google Stadia is Google trying to beat the rush. Sure. And it's like, dude, it is not working for you. Like the amount of negative press you're generating by trying this business strategy that has been proven to be highly unsuccessful is like not worth whatever thing you think you're getting in front of. The big difference this time is that none of the gamers were on board. Yeah, but it's I just think it was like, like more like tech enthusiasts, you know? Yeah, totally. It's just so confusing to me though. And it's also interesting that people aren't really framing it like that, but like the only reason I can think of that Google would put out a service that is in alpha basically. It's like super <laughs> untested. 
the infrastructure isn't there the market penetration of the fucking ultra chrome cast is like zero yeah so like that's why the thing costs 130 dollars because nobody has the hardware needed to play it you know um, what i mean doesn't playstation now do sort of the same thing yeah also everybody already does this playstation yeah. now does it xbox has been doing it quietly and is now going topside. They're basically integrating uh, cloud play into uh, Game Pass, which is the most successful mm-hmm. uh, game subscription service, basically. Um, Nintendo does it in Japan. Uh, they oh, don't yeah, do it in like America. RE7 on the Switch. Yeah, they don't do it in America because they're fucking smart, and they're like, oh, yeah, the internet there sucks. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also, I think the way that, I think Sony or Microsoft will be the ones to really crack it. Microsoft because they have the best service and Sony because they have the most exclusives that people actually want to play. Like yeah. I've even thought about trying it because I really want to play Sony's exclusive games, but I'll probably just fucking buy a PS whatever at some point. <laughs> like yeah. You know what I mean? It's it's just so ridiculous that but it's like once again Google's jumping in like we're going to beat the rush. It's like dude you have no games. Nobody has. I mean, honestly, what's hilarious is that I'm actually the target market for this. Like, I have a Chromebook and like two Chromecast. I have two Chromebooks and two Chromecasts. I've been using these forever. I have really fucking good fiber internet. I have zero interest in fucking Google Stadia. Yeah, yeah. Well, and they're just trying crazy. to capitalize on the point that they have all of this cloud compute muscle out there. And if they're not running it at 90% capacity all the time, they're not making maximum profits. So this is yeah. just another way to like slice off more of that cloud compute and capitalize on it. Which oh, is stupid, because yeah. you still got to buy your own games, too. Like, fuck yeah. that, dude. No. It's so fucking stupid. Nah, dude. I mean, it's trying to create an artificial market demand. But, I mean, that is what it is. I mean, people do that all the time. What the fuck else is the cyber truck, dude? <laughs> Hey, don't talk about my cyber truck like that. <laughs> Sorry, James. I know I'm a that was big a kid, and I like cyber trucks. <laughs> I'm one of the cool kids. I'm bigger and older than you. Sometimes I smoke, and yeah, I want a cyber truck. <laughs> Our next batch of t-shirts. Yeah, just all of that in different fonts. <laughs> uh, but no, it's like creating artificial market demand is stupid but whatever companies do it the thing that i don't understand is thinking that beating the rush is a viable market strategy in in gaming it's just not dude like yeah go ask sega (laughs) somebody get sega (laughs) on the line put them on a conference call with google and have them like please just have them talk Mm. hey maybe we'll finally get that dreamcast 2 in the cloud Oh yeah, Google. X Maybe we'll Sega. get to play. Yeah. We'll all be playing Shenmue Four over the cloud. <laughs> Hell yeah! Oh god, yeah. No, I played Shenmue One. It was fun in 1999. Seaman Two. Seaman. Okay, now that that is what we really need. They'll call you it can keep Seaman Two Goo Patrol. <laughs> See, you can keep your Shenmue 3. That's the game I want. <laughs> yeah, since Leonard Nimoy died, maybe they can hire um, Stephen Hawking's voice box, since he died also. <laughs> so it can star uh, Stephen Hawking's ghost. Nah, dude, fuck it. Stunt casting. Get Terry Crews. Terry Crews, yeah. Dude. I would see man Terry Crews. 
<laughs> and that's our episode for today, folks. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Goddamn. Oh, yeah. man. So, uh, so what are we talking about? We're talking about dinosaurs for hire on Sega Genesis. <laughs> all right, James, you know what? Just get it, get it off. All right. What do you want to tell me about dinosaurs for hire? You never played it? No, I've played it. I know all about it, but I don't, I'm assuming the average listener doesn't because like, why, why does it exist? I mean, if you just like have played all the Contras, play dinosaur for hire because it's Contra with dinosaurs and it kind of sucks. <laughs> That's what you wanted to say? You've been trying to shoehorn it into this episode the whole time and you just wanted to say that it sucks? You know what else is great? Chuck Rock 2, Son of Chuck. (laughs) What a game. You brought up all this dinosaur shit with your Jurassic Park fucking monologue for 20 minutes, so... Okay, well, because that's a fucking great game, alright? Chuck Rock 2 is sick, bro. Uh, I don't think I've played Chuck Rock 2. So much better than Truck Rock 1. You're, like, yeah, you're, you're a baby caveman, dude. It's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's the original baby Yoda. Yes. What's great about Dinosaurs for Hire, now that I'm looking at the cover art, is that there's like an attribution. It's not Dinosaurs for Hire. It's Tom Mason's Dinosaurs for Hire. And it's based <laughs> on a comic book. That's a total like ego move. Yeah, I did not know that. Uh, I mean, I've played Dinosaurs for Hire. It's, yeah, it's just like shitty Contra with ugly dinos. <laughs> I mean, I guess if you were like a dino furry, there's a lot of like anthropomorphic, like vaguely anthropomorphic dinos, like with big muscly calves. Yeah, so one of those might, dudes is a total bear. Yeah, you yeah. you might get some real mileage out of playing this game <laughs> if you're a certain way. What's but. better, though? Uh, dinosaurs for Hire for the Genesis or Cadillacs and Dinosaurs for Arcade. Mm. Cadillacs and Dinosaurs, better game. Dinosaurs for hire, uh, scientifically proven to be hornier. (laughs) (laughs) I'll take that, yeah. There's your fucking review, dude. Six stars out of five. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. See, this is what happens when we review 16-bit games yeah. and don't do six in an episode. Magic happens. <laughs> Podcast magic. Yeah. So Zombies Ain't My Neighbors. Uh, great game. Yeah. Don't play the sequel. It's bad. I give Zombies Ain't My Neighbors a solid three and a half. Oh, it's a classic. You got to play it. And I will say that I feel like for the games we were comparing it to like i've tried to go back and play dead rising that game kind of honks mm. but this game super does not honk yeah and so i think you should play this if you want to play a game like that it's better in multiplayer yeah yeah i didn't play it in two player for this episode but yeah i had a friend i feel like it was i think it was my friend brent who i like started my first band with where mm. i'd like go over to his house and we'd just like play a couple like shitty like we just play interstellar overdrive by pink floyd for like an hour and then we just go play like zombies ain't my neighbor for an hour and then be like, like go home nice and that was like a solid hang yeah. yeah it's just such a it's such a good hangout game like you can just play it and just talk about other shit and just chill yeah i give ghoul patrol 0.5 stars <laughs> just for the fact that it like 
soils the legitimacy of the first game in terms of its legacy. Yeah. It's so bad. Yeah. Like, you shouldn't play uh, it. I mean. No. Well, and it's like one of those things where if you were reading about this shit and you're like, oh, I didn't know there was a sequel. I should play that. You Mm -hmm. know? You would totally just like accidentally waltz into this terrible fucking game. It looks good from the screenshots. Even a YouTube video looks good, you know? Yeah. You know what you should do instead is look up the cover for Dinosaurs for Hire and then like tell me that is not the horniest, most ripped (laughs) dino you've ever seen. (laughs) Yeah. He's literally riding another dino. I'd rather furiously masturbate to Dinosaurs for Hire on Sega Genesis than play Ghoul Patrol on Super Nintendo. Oh, yeah, dude. Amen to that, brother. Put that on the cover. Tom Mason's Dinosaurs for Hire. (laughs) Jesus Christ. So, yeah, next episode we'll be talking about Tom Mason's Dinosaurs for Hire. We have no motivation for covering this other than pure journalistic integrity. We are bringing you the highest quality content. Please visit patreon.com slash zero brightness to find out more. Hit us up, Big Tom. Dude, yeah. Get the exclusive interview. Is this Tom a patron? (laughs) Oh, boy. All right. Game Club. I'm calling it. Game Club. I can't stop like thinking about dinosaurs for her. It's a dinosaur with human musculature. <laughs> What's hornier, biker mice from Mars or dinosaurs for her? Oh, dinos are way hornier. I yeah. mean, biker mice from Mars—they're more human, like in their in their uh, physiognomy. But like, dinos are way hornier. No beta cuck biker mice allowed. <laughs> Also, biker is frequently racist. Oh, yeah, that's true. So, uh, biker mice from Mars have a, like, 60% chance of being Aryan biker mice from (laughs) Aryan Mars. And I do not vibe with that at all. Yeah, dinosaurs for hire. It's like, you know, like a proletariat action, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't want to find out is what I'm trying to say. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So game. Anyway, next week we're talking about <laughs> Lone Survivor. Lone Survivor. The director's cut. It's a yes. uh, a weird game. It's like it feels like a JavaScript game. It was on what PS2 or no PS3 and like the PSP or some shit. I played it on PC. Has a PC port. Has ports everywhere. Kind of looks like mm-hmm. a Game Boy Advance game meets JavaScript. I don't know. It's got it's got really good lighting though, and really cool visuals. Yeah, I like it. I mean, I I feel like that description sells that aspect of it a little bit short, James. It's like a two D Silent Hill. That's what it really is. But yeah, it definitely has that like definitely like a homemade feel, you know? Yeah, it's like one dude made this game. I mean, so okay, the next two games we're talking about are Lone Survivor and Yume Nikki, mm-hmm. which. Remind me of a very specific time in my life when I... It's kind of like when I wasn't really playing games, but I found both of these games and got really obsessed with them. And they're both just like very dark, moody, 2D games. They have a bit of that homemade feel to them, but they're also so heavily stylized and in my opinion, gorgeous that Mm. they kind of like go off and, and create their own whole vibe and aesthetic. And for me at the time, I was obsessively making my own weird homemade records that I was then trying to get people to buy copies of 
And so I felt very inspired by these games because I was like, oh yeah, you can just be like in your attic freezing to death, like, you know, smoking <laughs> weed and making loops and shit. But you can yes. also make something that's like really cool that people connect with. So like mm-hmm. that second Hollow Boys record called Believe in Nothing was like very... I feel like influenced definitely by Yume Nikki a lot. And then around that time, a lot of stuff I was working on Lone Survivor was, was big. Sick. Yeah. Love those games, but those are our last few games for a 16 bit month. Then we've got kind of like a bonus bonus episode. Yeah. Is that already coming up? Wow. Well, after, yeah, we'll reveal that later. The future. Keep that in our, in our back pockets. But yeah, there's like two more Lone Survivor, Yume Nikki, and then, Little, little bonus yeah might have some yeah. guests coming up soon i got some oh, ideas yeah. for cool episodes oh yeah not going anywhere it's getting crazy yeah dude it's throw getting a, crazier than a dinosaur with human musculature yes throw a dollar in the hat in the patreon if you like uh-huh. dinosaurs with big pecs <laughs> <laughs> it's like seriously like if Arnold Schwarzenegger had a dino head and claws. Yeah, dude. Which, like, I don't know. That sounds pretty cool to me. I love it. I love Arnie. Yeah. Pecs. Anyways, that's it for now. <laughs> Bye. Bye.